This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Youths United for Earth want to celebrate Malaysia's environmentalism one youth at a time. So the youth-led NGO aims to mobilize Malaysian youths for environmental action through environmental storytelling, grassroots community building and policy advocacy. So the group recently received the Diana Award, which was set up in memory of the Princess of Wales, presented to 200 youths worldwide aged 9 to 25 to acknowledge their humanitarian work. And earlier this month, this is hot off the presses, they were also recognized under the North American Association for Environmental Education or the NAAEE's 30 Under 30 program, which recognizes young people across the globe who are building a sustainable future through education. So today on the show, I'm joined by Max Han and Nurfatin Hamza. They are both co-founders of Youths United for Earth, or Youth uh, for short, and we're going to find out all about the work that they do. Welcome both of you. How are you today? Hi, good. Thank you for having me here. Absolute pleasure. How are you, Max? Very good. I'm excited to share and it's so nice to be here. Yes, lovely to have you guys on the show and congratulations. Two, two wins in such a short uh, short time, guys. Congratulations. You know, testament to all the great work that you guys are doing. Really, really happy for you guys. Um, but let's get to know you better. Uh, let's, let's start by getting to uh, know the both of you better. Tell me, what led you both uh, to champion sustainability and environmental conservation? You know, what, why are you passionate about this cause? Fatin, right. do you want to start first? Um, personally, for me, I think Thing. Um, it's climate anxiety. Oh, uh, no. So yeah, it's a bit like um, I guess people would talk about oh their uh, family or parents inspired them or anything like that. But for me personally, it's climate anxiety and the feeling of wanting to belong to a community that would resonate to such issues as well, mm-hmm. and also like a group of people that want to mobilize themselves mm-hmm. because I feel like the only way to deal with climate anxiety is to actually do something. So for me, uh, climate anxiety, it is. Okay. Uh, no, there's, there's <laughs> no reason to feel ashamed about that, okay? That is a very legitimate uh, reason and, and that's wonderful, right? You want people to take action and that is the, that is that, I mean, that's really wonderful to hear. So yeah, good for you. <laughs> you know, not just kind of like languishing in, in self-despair, actually taking action. And for you, Max, what, 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 what was it for you? Yeah, I'll say it was a health issue that actually stemmed all the way back when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, long before this pandemic, it's crazy how all of us as Malaysians started wearing masks because of the transboundary haze that would happen every September or end of the year. Yeah. And so as a young kid, I would always have very bad asthma. Okay. And so every time that season would roll around, I would always get so frustrated because it would flare up and I'll end up in the hospital. Oh, no, and so I remember sorry. as a young kid feeling so helpless and so angry and I wanted to do something about it but I just didn't know how Mm. and so you know as I grew older we also grew up my family's from Tampin uh, Nagri Sembilan so we grew up around a lot of like nature and a lot of very nice trees and and I have these memories as a kid of running around rambutan trees and like picking up rambutans and so I always grew up loving nature and so as I grew older and you know with the climate crisis becoming more relevant and materializing more strongly I wanted to do something about it and I wanted to find that way as a young person on how to contribute, how I can do something about it and learn about it. And that's really why we started Youth. We wanted to empower every single young person in Malaysia to actually contribute to the environment in some form or another. Okay, no, that's really, oh gosh, that's really heartwarming to hear. And, and, and you know, you've done so much, you know, in this short time as well. And I want to know, you know, how the both of you actually met to co-found uh, Youth, uh, Youth United for Earth. We started way back 
like through volunteerism through volunteerism so we were actually part of the roots and shoots malaysia award rasma program uh, back in 2019 so we were actually like mobilized into different states and also different organizations to volunteer at and I was in Pera Max was everywhere as well like in Terengganu for a bit and then in KL so uh, we kind of like get to know f- uh, each other from there and again back to my climate anxiety um, story which is like oh my god I, I just I just need friends to talk about these things like because maybe like with other friends I couldn't really talk about you know climate related issues or my climate anxiety but with people or like minded people who have the same kind of um, I guess problems or uh, share the same sentiment they kind of like get it mm-hmm. and it does feel like oh I'm not alone in this yeah, All right, yeah. So. and for you Mats? yeah um, so Fatin and I met through the Roots and Shoots program that's correct uh, and we all went through our different paths. So Fatih was working with Orang Asli communities in Royal Balloom. I was working with Turtle Conservation and Kolugo Research. So Kolugo is actually an nocturnal mammal that is very common in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And we're also doing environmental education with kids and also those machis in the Pasar Malam who's, who are using... Uh, who, sorry, face. Uh, machis in Pasar Malam. And so we interview them and also ask them about their plastic use and then add that into our environmental education programs. And so through these experiences, I learned two things that basically form the ethos of youth. And, you know, we discussed this together with Fatin, which is basically that, one, local context matter. When I was doing research with Kolugos, I was shocked to find out that many locals did not know what Kolugos are. And many Malaysians, I realised, can tell you about climate change and polar bears and ice caps melting. And these are things that are happening but they are so far away from what we are experiencing sometimes too. Mm-hmm. But they can't tell you necessarily about our local biodiversity or our local environmental issues, what's going on in Malaysia, what our animals that are affected. And so I saw this as a gap. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I realized that young people truly matter. Like we are a force for action. And I realized this from running one of my environmental workshops with very young kids, like six to seven years old. And I remember one of them approached me and they were like, Mr. Max, why are we so focused on the plastic straw and not the whole plastic cup itself? Oh, wow. And I was so impressed. I yeah. was like, wow, at such a young age, you have such critical thinking. And they all had this energy and passion to contribute to fighting plastic pollution in some way. And I think through working on these volunteering experiences myself through the Roots and Shoots program, I realized that actually it was very doable. Mm. I used to think that you know, maybe you needed to have certain amount of money, certain amount of age and experience to get involved in impact or get involved in helping the environment. And I realized it's actually really about starting somewhere and just learning how to make that possible. And that's why we are so invested in youth mm-hmm. and we have a very, very strong local context focus that's just limited to Malaysia and, you know, in tandem with other countries and, you know, international issues as well. But we really want to emphasize this local element because when people understand what they... When people are familiar with what they love and they truly understand how the climate change is affecting a lot of these things they love, like durian supply or maybe the places they used to go on vacation, like Pulau Tioman, the islands, and all these local, you know, local contexts, they will fight for it. And we see that in our experience as well. People writing in, signing petitions, Mm -hmm. wanting to do something about it because Mm -hmm. this is something that's familiar to them, Mm -hmm. but it just has to be made 
visible and accessible. Yeah. 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 Because a lot of us, unfortunately, is that whole not in my backyard, right? Or mm. if I, only if it's happening yes, where I can see it, then I'm going to do it. But that's the importance of youth education, isn't it? To show the, the whole, the bigger picture as it is, right? About how everything is interconnected and whatever happens, even, you know, up north or whatever is going to come to affect us down here, for example, right? Water right. supplies, yeah. things like that, right? So very important to to have that education, to have that knowledge. And let's let's talk a little bit about uh, youth's work, right? So um, how did it, how do you feel that, you know, it empowers young people? I mean, maybe you can just tell us, yeah, what it is exactly that you do and how how you run your programs. Right. So the main thing when we first started, because again, it started with our volunteering experience, right? We met a lot of cool young people. You can, they're like volunteers. They're like young professionals. Lah. They're like even community members that they have their own community and they are doing such amazing stuff. But, but I was like, oh, I haven't heard of you or I haven't heard about your <laughs> initiative, right? Yeah. So we're like, okay, how about we amplify these voices, like these people who are on the ground doing amazing stuff they're young um, up there like for people to actually know right mm. and also a lot with like NGOs in Malaysia um, there's, always, there's always like a face which is might be a bit older so people only associate that face yeah. with this cause or this um, organization but behind that person there's plenty of young people so our um, perspective is really on the young young people perspective, um, so it really um, comes back to our experience on the ground and looking at how the voices of young people are not really heard. So that's why we started to feature young people on our social media. Mm -hmm. So we really want to show to the young people out there, like there are so many avenues and ways for you to mobilize yourself or for you to do some action uh, and be part of the environmentalism or environmental action. Mm -hmm. it, you don't have to be just a tree hugger or someone that likes animals. Like literally there's, there's there are people like, I I don't like animals like why should I care about this animal for example right but they like something else or they like fashion or they like music and um, with this youth feature that we're doing we're really selecting people from different parts or different um, parts of environmentalism so we have fashion we have people who actually hug trees or, and animals um, and like different uh, different ways that you could be part of environmentalism. So that is the first, which is our youth feature. And okay. do you want to talk about the mentorship program? Yeah, so once people know the different avenues that they can contribute, now we know we go from the know-how to the implementation of it. Okay. And so it was during the pandemic, everyone was getting laid off, struggling to find jobs and internships. And at the same time, you know, I was just having this conversation with Fatin. Young people who are budding environmentalists what does the career look like for them? And how does how do they get internships and experience and build up their capacity as young people? And we realized that this whole green job field is so nascent. It's still growing. And as a young person, you have to evolve alongside it. Okay. But we don't really know how. Mm -hmm. And so I had this crazy idea when I said to Fatin. I was like, Fatin, let's, let's create a program for young people. As ourselves, as young people, mm. we know what we need and what we know what we want. Mm -hmm. And let's go reach out to people and help get the previous generation to train the next generation of environmental leaders. Mm -hmm. And so we went on LinkedIn. We reached out to environmental professionals in Malaysia, 
some are abroad. And as we mentioned, there are many ways to contribute to the environment. So mm. they don't necessarily have to be ESG professionals or sustainability professionals. We reach out to lawyers. Yeah. yeah, we reach out to lawyers, you know, um, policy makers. And surprisingly, they all said yes. Oh, and lovely. so in 2021, we launched Malaysia's first ever sustainability mentorship program. Mm -hmm. And it blew up. You know, a lot of young people are coming to us and saying, wow, this is just exactly what we need. Mm. And the mentors themselves were saying, oh, I wish I had this when I was younger. And I'm so proud to be part of this program. And so we've run like three cycles of these programs now. Mm -hmm. And we're building this big database of mentors who want to contribute and shape the next generation of environmental leaders. And through this program, a lot of young people are learning many different things, experiences. And we're talking about things like Finances in conservation, which is a huge topic. We're talking about how to conserve yourself as conservationists because this job is not easy. Green yep. jobs, you're exposed to a lot of issues that is very emotionally taxing. Yep. How do you keep yourself going and keep your passion and not burn out despite all this? Okay. And so we're talking about a lot of these things throughout this program. And it's also a great way to combat the brain drain in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. And so this has become a flagship of youth and we're really invested in it. So we're going to be running our next cycle soon. And we invite anyone who's interested to be a mentor to come reach out to us, talk to us, collaborate. And, you know, for all the young people listening, come get involved and build up your capacity to contribute to Malaysia's environment. Would you be able to give us an, uh, an example of a mentor who, uh, a topic that they actually, uh, which is not, you know, not traditionally considered under conservation, right? Would you be able to give an example just so our listeners can get a feel of it? I think Elina Jamil, which is like an architect mm -hmm. and uh, she's working on like sustainable, sustainable architecture, okay. uh, focusing on bamboo, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, and we matched her with like um, uh, a mentee, which is like, uh, he, she was doing architecture at that time. And she was like, I'm trying, I'm, I'm going to graduate soon, but I don't know what to do. And when we connected her with Alina, she was like, yes, this is it. Like, this is fate. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'm going into this green job. I want to have a green job. But I don't know how. And she ended up um, interning with Alina Jamil. So okay. there's like opening uh, more opportunities for the mentees and really showing them the pathway, I guess. And mm -hmm. also, like, they can... Mentors can also um, share the challenges, which I feel like it's really important when you want to get into a job and you don't know what it is and it's very, like, unfamiliar. Um, getting that information is really important before actually going in, sure. into it, yeah. Yeah, it's a very sweet story. That mentee, I remember, wrote an application that she got into this journey of making architecture sustainable by reading Elena Jamil's books. And, you know, serendipity... We paired her up with Elena Jamil. Not and knowing that, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and she, when she came on that Zoom call to see Elena, she was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and, you know, they really bonded and they're doing good things together now as well. So it's a very sweet story from our first ever mentorship program that we run. And we've had many, many more after that as well. People coming up with their own startups, people coming up with their own research okay. questions that they work with their mentor on mm -hmm. and launch into many other environmental initiatives 
that the mentors are actually guiding these young people to do. It's mm, lovely. So it just keeps growing. La, and mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, okay, okay. All right, excellent. Let's just go for a quick break, guys. When we come back, let's talk more about the work that you guys are doing. I'm speaking today to Max Han and Nurfatin Hamza. They're both co-founders of Youths United for Earth, which is a uh, youth-led NGO. Uh, their aim is to uh, celebrate Malaysia, Malaysia's environmentalism one youth at a time. We're finding out all about them. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Nur Fatin Hamza and Max Han. They are both co-founders of Youths United for Earth, which is a youth-led NGO aiming to mobilise Malaysian youths for environmental action. Uh, and they're doing this through many ways, um, environmental storytelling, grassroots community building, policy advocacy, and so much more. They've recently uh, received two awards, won the Diana Award, and very, very recently, just at the start of the month, the North American Association for Environmental Education's 30 Under 30 program. They were recognized under that. So again, congratulations, guys. You're doing really, really good work. Um, let's talk more about um, how you guys... Um, well, I do know that you've actually been involved in... like you've, you've gone to the global stage, right? You've been involved in a number of environmental summits. You've also gone for conferences. Maybe you want to give our listeners also an insider's look into what happens at these international discussions, right? With all these different stakeholders. How do you make your voices heard? Uh, what is your participation there like? Uh, Max, yeah, you want to go first? I know you attended the UN Forest Forum, right? As a youth uh, delegate, am I right? Yes. So last May, I got the opportunity to attend the UN Forest Forum in the United Nations headquarters in New York City. Mm -hmm. And so there we were exploring many issues related to forestry. So deforestation, the export of, um, you know, wood, a lot of these things, timber. And as a young person, it was somewhat intimidating I'll be honest, sure, you're in a room surrounded by world leaders and people from governments all across the world, um, IGOs, the World Bank, FAO, they were all there. And it was a challenging space to navigate. And this um, this space of environmental governance can be intimidating, but it's also very necessary mm. for young people to get involved there. So I'll say young people definitely deserve a space in environmental governance because we have many experiences on the ground Mm -hmm. and we have that passion and we are actually pretty well read. We may not be experts in a certain field, but we definitely know our local context. And so to bring that on the ground experience to such high forum spaces and with such high political view, it is very necessary. The issue is you have to really know the ropes of how policymaking work. So for the UN, there's a certain form of conveying your ideas there's two minutes to come up with a statement to produce on the floor. And there's certain formats that you have to adhere to. Mm-hmm. As a young person going to this space, it's important to know all this and communicate your message across. Otherwise, you just be swept in a whole room of voices who are all competing to, you to know, be convey, heard, right? to be heard. And then you have to understand a lot of these political nuances that lie beneath these meetings. So sometimes decisions are made in the room, in you know, behind the walls of the UN. And sometimes they're also made outside there are these bilaterals that happen you know world leaders will have meetings with each other and not just world leaders actually NGOs IGOs so when I went there we personally teamed up with certain other stakeholders with the indigenous group representative there to talk about certain messages that were being missed on the floor and we also teamed up with the farmers representatives there and even the private sector to discuss how uh, each of our agendas and how we can convey this effectively. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this can be very challenging 
but it's so necessary also for Malaysians to be there because this is a sector that we are very involved in mm-hmm. and it impacts us. And in the whole climate field, there's also this term called the global south, yeah. where it consists, basically it's developing countries who are impacted by climate change the most because we know that their effects are disproportionate. And to have that representation there in this room, it is really important. When I went there, there were also some small island states that could not make it there. And funding was also an issue on the agenda that we couldn't get enough representation from these countries there. We couldn't get enough representation from certain, the most marginalized communities on there as well. And so I just want to shout out this great youth organization in Malaysia, Malaysian Youth Delegation, MYD. Mm -hmm. They are involved in environmental governance. They are training young people on the ropes of policymaking to understand how the UN works and how to get all these negotiations across. And so... All in a nutshell, it's intimidating, but it's necessary. And young people, we are very equipped to do so. We just need training. We just need to be empowered. And once we can do it, we can perform just as well as any other expert or world leader in that room. Because mm. this is really important because, you know, what decisions being made today are going to affect your futures, basically, right? It is you guys, you know, who are going to be impacted by all the decisions made today. And you also don't want to be at these sorts of forums and, and talks in a tokenistic manner, right? You want to be there in a very, um, yeah, you want what, you, what you're saying to be heard and to be taken seriously. And so, of course, educating yourself and I guess, you know, giving those messages in the way that it's it's sort of formulated, right? You have to do that as well. So you went for training and all of that as well, I'm guessing, to to get that knowledge, yeah? yeah? Okay. It was a lot of reading up a on my own self and balancing out of school, but it was worth it. Yeah. I really learned a lot and I really hope that more training can be made available True. to young people. And also one thing to mention, funding is so issue. Yes. This is right, funding is so, such a big issue when it comes to these conferences. Mm. So even if, especially for, for someone who's coming from a developing country to yeah. go to these conferences, yeah. usually in the West as well, funding is an issue. So um, we, as young people, one of our agenda is also to get people to fund a lot of our, uh, to, to believe in us Correct. and basically to fund us to go there and report what's happening there on the ground to mm. people here and for people to know and so they can take action. Because if you're not hearing from the voices, like from the global south or from the small islands, right, who already are seeing and living with the impacts of climate change and uh, the climate crisis, right, how is that meaningful, right? Is it, again, it goes yeah. back to being that quite tokenistic sort of like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're ticking these boxes, we're having the discussions. Is anything actually coming out of it? Right. So it's great that you know you've you know gone to that that sort of level uh, to to have your voices heard. Um, but you know, on a more local uh, context, maybe we can talk about uh, how you guys are co- uh, engaging with communities here in Malaysia. Uh, Fatin, you want to take that? Right. Uh, I guess with youth, you're more into like amplifying voices, which are already there, right? So with communities, we, uh, around Malaysia, we have like multiple um, awesome um, advocacy campaigns like Pinang Tolak Tamba, PJD Link. And our role, um, the way we see it is that we amplify these um, notions into a very specific audience, which is like a young audience, because we believe that this whole thing is like an ecosystem. So everybody has a role to play. Like policymakers, they have their own um, role. And then us as young pers- uh, young people, what we do is we amplify um, these, these, these voices. And um, like along with amplifying this, we also kind of like um, provide ways for young people to take action 
Like for example, like okay, sign this petition or be part or give it back towards this environmental impact assessment uh, EIA, right? And there are like um, young people coming to us like, oh, how how like I don't know how to write. Uh, so we give them um, like a template, template, templates, templates, right? right? Okay, okay yeah. this is how you structure the the email. Mm. Like, it's very simple, right? But um, it's the, the starting point. Like they they want to do it, but how, how yeah, right? Yeah, so by having these templates, they can just okay, I'm the template from our page, and then go and uh, see the feedback or the EIA feedback, for example. So um, I guess. Like even with the pinning tolak tambak one, um, one of the one of the audience actually sent the email to the representative, the state representative, and the state representative actually uh, replied. So which is like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, actually got a reply, and yeah. um, it, and she said she used the template, right? So. Um, I think that's the starting point. It, it, it can be quite intimidating to look at an issue as a young person. Like, okay, nak buat apa? Like, what do I do, right? <laughs> Correct. You feel so helpless, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, I guess that action, like the first action, uh, and we are very, like, targeting a, a group of audiences, the young audience. Okay. So, even though, like, the the cost or the advocacy campaign is big in Malaysia, but probably for young people, oh, they actually don't know about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, being that, uh, I guess, glue, uh, connecting young people to a big issue or issue which is already happening in Malaysia. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and also maybe for young people, we're not like taught in school on how we can raise our voices. Um, I don't know, it's not right, uh, but... I guess people use a lot of um, the pathway they can they can see or the tool that they can usually use is social media. Like, mm. oh, you tweet about it. Mm. And hopefully, la, this um, minister or whoever policymaker would uh, butter butcher your tweet, right? But um, I guess um, provide showing them there is a proper way to do it. Uh, like, for example, the EIA's uh, feedback and uh, they can kind of like citizen action kind of... Um, step I guess mm-hmm, um, yeah. to be to be part of this and I don't think a lot of people know that they can actually give it back towards EIAs yeah so especially young people yeah uh, so for those who don't know the EIA is basically the environmental impact assessment where people can be part of to give it back about development issue de- development projects that's going to happen in their place mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, definitely and and you also work I mean so you, you work with the youth right but also in sort of different communities right so right. also like uh, marginalised youth yeah. uh, uh, orang asli youth is, am I right in saying that? yes for like for example for our mentorship programme we at first we didn't like we didn't think about it at first and then after a few rounds we're like hey like we're missing out like or actually um, youth in, in this like as mentees right so yeah. uh, we try our best to like engage with groups like Persatuan Mahasiswa Orang Asli and this year this round we actually got a few of Orang Asli mentees nice. um, who, who actually want to have like um, a job in this um, sustainability sector so it's it's a good thing I mean we try our best to make it as accessible as possible and hopefully uh, with the coming cycles we can improve in terms of accessibility uh, for these opportunities because mm-hmm. we realise like with opportunities it's very different how the opportunity rich people right, right? Uh, some people just have these systemic barriers that they have to go through like money time like sometimes oh I want to join this program but 
I actually need to work. Yeah. So these are like the things that we've been hearing from our young people because people keep saying, okay, go la volunteer. But they said, oh, I have work to do and this is the semester break, but I have to go work. Correct. So they don't have the volunteering opportunities. Not that they don't want to, but they just have these barriers. Barriers, right? And barriers to access, right? And I'm sure also, you know, there's a lot of, so much knowledge transfer, right? When you speak to marginalised communities or so, then you're mm. hearing firsthand the sorts of issues that they are facing, uh, orang asli communities as well. So you know things like what's happening with them in terms of uh, losing their land, perhaps, to development. Right. So there's so much of uh, knowledge exchange going on as True. well, right? So it goes both ways, actually. Yes, even with our youth feature, we are also learning about their initiative. Yes, it's yes. not just us amplifying their, their work, but we're also learning, oh, this is happening in Sabah, this is happening in Trengadu. Like, we're in care, like maybe we don't know about these issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah just to add on about Fatin's point about accessibility, we recognise that a lot of these youths who are marginalised or come from B40 communities, it's very hard for them to actually attend some of these programmes. And so what we do as an organisation is try to fund them to enable their access. So, for example, there are certain youths who are in regions where it's hard to access data and internet. And so we use our funding to actually pay for their data. We buy it for them Mm -hmm. and make sure that their mentors and them can have a good connection to talk to and and also provide some stipend to help them get through this. So if anyone wants to support this and make these programs more accessible for young people anywhere across Malaysia, for the most marginalised communities, reach out to us. Okay, all right, excellent. And, uh, you know, speaking of some of your other programs, right, I heard there's a, I was reading about a program called uh, Hashtag Rakyat Rabu, right? Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that. Uh, For Rakyat Rabu, the idea is basically voicing out the voice of the rakyat. Um, So instead of the youth feature, we would like to focus more on like um, issues related to people in general, not like particularly youth, for example. Um, and the awesome work that they've been doing. Uh, for example, we have featured uh, Shak Koyo, which is used, he's awesome doing his um, activism through art. Um, so uh, it's called Rakyat Rabu because we post it on Rabu. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the idea, I guess, to really also expand not just youth, but also like other people, especially the marginalised communities. Yeah. I think what we're going for is also having that diversity of voices mm-hmm. and, again, local context. We want to build this local repository of information that's related to Malaysia's environment in very accessible and fun visual ways, but also very personal. When we have any feature, people read it and they'll learn about someone's work, mm-hmm. but also the challenges that come with it. And we try to provide that nuance view that comes with that as well. And, yeah, Fatin also mentioned that you know, uh, the issue of like urban concentrations of action. Mm -hmm. So a lot of environmental action happens in urban centres because there are certain more opportunities there, but a lot of them are also happening in rural areas. And we also want to enable people in those areas to be able to contribute in some form or another. So UNICEF released this study that 9 in 10 people are affected by... 9 in 10 youths are affected by climate change and 92% of young people think that we are experiencing a climate crisis. And one of the recommendations of the paper was to actually reach out to more rural youth beyond these urban centres, beyond KL and Selangor. Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to do in our makeup of our team as well for youth. And also we try to do that impact as well. So our mentorship, we want to reach out to as many people as well. The features that we are going for with our rakyat, we also want to go into East Malaysia and, and just showcase more and have this holistic picture of 
what environmental action in Malaysia looks like mm -hmm. and what local communities in Malaysia are experiencing. Okay, yeah. all right. That is a very wholesome uh, and very like holistic program. So that's no, that's really, really good. I, we just need to go for one more break. Uh, let's come back and talk more about uh, some of the other work that you guys are doing. I'm speaking today to Max Han and Nurfatin Hamza, both co-founders of Youths United for Earth. Uh, that is an, uh, a youth-led environmental NGO. They aim to mobilize Malaysian youths for environmental action uh, through many, many different ways, of course. We're finding out all about the work that they do. And uh, yes, we're going to find out also about the awards that they both recently uh, received that the organization received. One more quick break and then we'll be back with more. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. In the studio with me today, Nur Fatin Hamza and Max Han, co-founders of Youth United for Earth, which is an environmental organisation. It's an NGO. It's a youth-led NGO. It wants to mobilise Malaysian youths for environmental action uh, through many different uh, many dif different methods, uh, including uh, mentor-mentee uh, mentor programmes. They also have a sustainability mentorship programme. Uh, they work with uh, communities. Uh, and it's also taken on your advocacy, though, has taken on many, many different forms, right, guys? You've also uh, include things like infographics, right, eco-poetry, and you even now have a podcast. Can you talk to me about, you know, thinking about these different approaches and, um, yeah, and, and why you needed to do that? Yeah, so many people always ask us, how do I start getting involved? Mm. And the answer is not very complicated. It really comes down to why are you interested in, what you can offer, and what's your climate ikigai? <laughs> so, you know, activism is not always as what we imagine, you know, just going on the streets, protesting. It's okay. Not every region, not every country enables the luxury and safety of doing that. Sometimes advocacy and activism could look like using your designing skills as an architect or designer to design posters or infographics for grassroots organizations such as youth, such as other organizations on the ground who are providing environmental education. Sometimes that could look like writing to politicians or media about underreported environmental issues. And so really it's thinking about what you can offer and by showing different forms of media for um, the environment you are making accessible for other people and also showing that there's many, many avenues for you to get involved in climate action. Mm -hmm. I like to think that there's no such thing as green jobs because every job is going to be a green job because climate change and environmental issues will affect everyone somehow or another. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Fatin, anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, I think it also comes back to relatability and like what matters to some community, for example. Like I'm based in Trengganu, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like literally this area, there's like very bad coastal erosion and there's like a kedai makan yang very popular for the celup tepung. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, can we just say that if you don't, um, solve this issue, we're going to lose the celup tepung, kedai <laughs> uh, celup tepung. So yeah. that's like the relatability. Like right. if they know that, wow, I'm going to lose something that I love, only then they'll be like, I'm going to do something. Mm. So there are different ways to relate to people, right? So we're really using these different tools to relate to our audience, to young people. And we feel that, um, you know, arts, heritage, music, visuals, these are the things that uh, young people kind of like uh, receive the information from. Even like with the, according to the National Youth Climate Change Survey done in 2020, um, youth actually rely a lot 
uh, towards social media to gain information regarding climate change. So in a way, this is how they're going to receive information regarding climate change and environmentalism in a very local manner. Mm-hmm. And do you also sort of like think about how it needs to be done in different languages as well so that it's mm. more accessible? Because, you know, a lot of it is in English, isn't it? Right. Let's face it, right? So yeah, is that also a consideration? Yes. So we're really trying our best to move into that direction. Yeah. Because at first, we started as like ourselves. Okay, how would we Correct. get this information, right? Okay, this is how I'm going to do it. Now, really like um, meeting other young people from different states or different communities and they were like, saya tak faham lah, climate change tu apa. And so, I guess that's true. Um, moving forward, that's the way to go, which is languaging is really important. Um like for example using Malay language or using like slangs like this Terengganu slang Sabah punya slang different state punya slang um, which is again comes back to relatability yeah. if they Context, can relate to it re- yeah. yeah relatability okay one thing we are trying to do on the languages part as well is on our website youthyufemy.com mm-hmm. we have a learn and unlearn section where we are basically trying to create this repository of musings reflections factual reportings on you know, malicious environmental issues. And so we're also inviting young people to publish their thoughts in you know, different languages. And we also have a translation button on our website to translate everything into Malay. Or, and, and we're trying to expand more into other languages as well. Okay, okay, that's wonderful. Because again, accessibility, right? That's so important. Um, otherwise, you know, what action is going to be taken, right? Yep. If people if people don't understand and can't contextualize it. So, so that's there's a lot that you guys are doing. Sorry, I just threw that language thing <laughs> in there as if you're not doing enough. But yeah, you, <laughs> there's so much that needs to be done. But and of course, you know, I mean, with all the great work that you're doing, you must have encountered some challenges as well, right? I mean, what are some challenges that you think uh, that you've encountered? Um, you know, do you feel like sometimes maybe you're not being taken seriously because of of, uh, the fact that you're young or things like that anything at all definitely okay. it's uh, an inevitable <laughs> challenge that young people face some people will tell us oh you're too young what do you know and the thing is well as I mentioned earlier young people are not necessarily the experts of a certain issue but we are well read on it mm-hmm. we engage with communities that are re- that are impacted by the issue we go out and we mobilise and I just want to say that whatever we lack in experience, we actually make up with passion. And it shows. Young people are amazing when they are empowered. When youth started, we did not have any funds. We were just a group of young people who who were really, really passionate to do something for the environment. And when we got some funding for our mentorship program, it was a few hundred ringgit. And we really stretched that dollar to, to fund marginalized communities to access our programs. With social media, it's also free. We can achieve that form of virality with just knowing our skills as young people, what we need to do to reach out to this certain group. And young people really stretch every single dollar that they get. And so I think what young people need is just to be empowered and they need to be funded as well. Mm -hmm. And once they have this, once they have these barriers that they can cross and to be taken seriously, then young people will just make magic happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Definitely. No, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Fatin, anything you wanted to add to that? Um, I think the next challenge would be like uh, trying to find the confidence to actually get into the environmental scene in Malaysia. Okay. Uh, even like with the young people that we feature and we interviewed, they mentioned that, uh, Alamak, kenapa pilih saya? Uh, like, your, your research is cool. I want to feature you. So, I guess, 
a lot of us also resonate with that. Even like with you, we're like, oh, um, at first we were a bit like maybe intimidated to engage with other groups like bigger NGOs, for example, or OGs NGOs, right? They've been they've been doing a lot, plenty of stuff in the scene for a longer time. Even like with our mentorship, uh, we were actually very scared to. Um, say hi to these mentors and ask Ayoh, them to okay. become mentors, right? So sure. there's this, this intergenerational barrier, I guess, or I guess lack of also confidence from the the, the side of the younger people. But I guess um, with, you know, trainings and exposure and uh, the, the network that we have, people would say, okay, go lah, uh, try to... When you talk to one person, they will uh, direct you to another person, right? So in a way that the network kind of like expands and the confidence also, the confidence also expands in that sense so we really thank the peop- more experienced people in this scene who have really like helped us uh, on and also the, our community uh, in providing uh, advice and also opportunities okay okay and I mean there's so much that needs to be done isn't it so it's about also I guess connecting the dots seeing what the gaps are and then sort of like trying to fill those gaps connecting people and you've I mean through your work you've seen how important it is to to help that to to foster that sort of communication between let's say more senior people and, and more junior people isn't it and, and some magic can happen mm, once that true. so yeah you're just filling that that really really critical gap and I guess I, I we're just running out of time guys but you know you've you know you've recently re- received all those wonderful awards congratulations so there's the Diana Award and of course, you know, very recently the uh, the thirty under thirty for the N A A E E, right? Um, how, I mean, how has that been for you guys? Has that you know just helped amplify the work that you guys are doing? How are you feeling about it? I'm very humbled to receive these awards. It's very nice to see Malaysian representation on the international stage. So, I think I'm very humbled to be able to, you know, shed a bit of light on the amazing work that Malaysian environmentalists are doing and bring these stories to international audience to show the case, like hey, a lot of local solutions are here already and we are addressing a lot of very specific local unique challenges. Mm -hmm. I hope that more uh, attention and funding and recognition will come down to this amazing NGOs and environmentalists that are already doing amazing work because I think we need to build up the capacity and we need to build up the knowledge that that, that is related to our local context. Mm Sure, there are many great resources abroad, but like you mentioned earlier, they are in English. We want to see them in local languages. We want to see them in local understandings. And when with that international attention and funding that comes down to our region and that recognition that every nation has a common but differentiated responsibility to climate change in the sense where Malaysia has contributed emissions definitely, but our historical emissions are not as bad and not as large and proportionate as some of the developed countries. And so to rally awareness on these issues has been a privilege that I hope can spew down to the people that are affected the most. Mm -hmm. Anything you wanted to add to that, Fatin? Um, I always think uh, like a a tree, right? So the people that are working on the ground, like the roots, they are really doing things... um, uh, talking with communities, engaging with communities and all, affected communities especially. And then I like to see us as the branch and the stem. Mm. Like that's what we're connecting. And f- like the the, the, the the leaves and all, those are the recognition, right? The, the, the policy making, it's up there. Um, but I guess we're really 
try to be the connector, like the, the stem and the branches, and really try to amplify the the, the, the grassroots work that um, amazing people are doing in Malaysia. Um, but yeah, the the recognition is part of it, but not all of it. I guess I say it's okay. just like amplifying okay. what's already in, on the ground. Okay, yeah. connecting dots, lah, right? Yep. It's, it's like fitting that jigsaw, being that glue that holds everything together, yeah. almost, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, so much you guys have been doing already, um, but I'm sure there are some plans in the pipeline. Anything you want to let our listeners know about? Um, usually, our mentorship program. Uh, uh, when is the next one? Yeah, you the next one will be around next year in February. Okay. Uh, but before that, uh, we would. Um, Recruit mentors, for sure. So those listening, if you're like a, an expert or people in the sustainability field even, uh, please be our mentors. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. We are so trying to take on this very ambitious project where we are going to map out all the environmental initiatives in Malaysia mm. and put them on our website, um, youthmy.com, Y-U-F-E-M-Y.com. Basically, what we're trying to do is that, let's say I'm a young person anywhere in Malaysia, maybe in Kelantan or in Penang, and I can just come onto youth's website and I go onto my map. I'll be like, oh, I want to mobilize myself for action. Mm. What are some NGOs, what are some environmental initiatives near me, which I can do that? So they go onto the map and they see, oh, I'm actually located near this initiative. How can I reach out to them? And so you can reach out to that environmental initiative and then um, get involved. And this is important. Because, as Fatih and I mentioned earlier, community is the key and the thread that ties everyone together. Finding your community helps you combat climate anxiety. And you can go very far. Let's say I have designing skills, but I'm not sure how to communicate some very hard climate science. And so there's, there's someone else in the organization that can help me, they can share. Mm -hmm. And this is how Fatih and I have grown personally as environmentalists. And this is what we believe that many young people can seek to benefit from as well. Mm -hmm. So really just making climate action and taking local environmental action accessible to as many young Malaysians as possible. Mm -hmm. We're also trying to hold more capacity building workshops for young people. We ourselves were unconfident at some point. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think sometimes we come in, we're, we're thinking that, oh, as a young person, I need to do this first. I need to do this mm -hmm. first. But really, it's just about starting somewhere. Right. We just need to be empowered. So we want to reach out to every single young person, as many as possible, and you know, shake them on the shoulders and tell them, you are amazing. You have so much to offer already. You just need to get started. And this is how you can get started. And this is really what we as an organization really want to achieve, to build this amazing youth movement and start this legacy that will continue on for generations, for young people to constantly get involved and protect our environment. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, both of you, uh, for joining me today. But before I let the both of you go, any any concluding messages that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, Fatin, you want to go first? Uh, I would say collaboration is really the key. Like, we are where we are right now because a lot of people have been supporting and collaborating with us. And I feel like that's also the way uh, in solving all the environmental issues even because everybody has a, a role to play. And in um, part of collaboration, I feel like it's like, a lot of listening, actually, mm. because we've been interviewing a lot of youth, right? And people would say that, oh, we, we go protest, we go say something to the to the government or to the ministers or whatever. But really, listening is the first 
It's the, the first thing you have to do. Really just listen. Listen to your peers. Listen to the you know, you know, communities that, which is maybe not your community. You don't know their perspective. So the only way for you to understand their perspective is for you to listen. So I guess collaboration is key. And also the, the first step in, in, to get into collaboration is to listen. Mm-hmm. And also unlearning some of the things that you thought you That's knew, true. right? Yeah. That's true. Because <laughs> yeah. you come in with this like, oh, I know all of this. Mm. But actually, no, there's so mm. much that you need to unlearn. To in, in, in order to learn as well yeah. But um, Max, how about for you? Any concluding message? Well, I mentioned start somewhere mm-hmm. And think about what you can offer And what you want to achieve Secondly, I'll say find community Remember, you're a young person out there listening You're not alone A friend once told me that To think of activism or advocacy like a choir With so many people singing The song will hold Even when you step out to take for even when you stop for a breath. So find your local community. You will find solace and a very deep solidarity that will sustain you through sometimes very difficult work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with change, change comes with more people. And so young people currently, not just in Malaysia, all over the world, are currently stepping up alongside you. So just start somewhere and find your community and listen. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure uh, to speak to the both of you. So I was speaking to Max Han and also Nur Fatin Hamza, both co-founders of Youths United for Earth. So if you'd like to find out more about the work that they do, you can just head to their website. That's youth. Uh, that's com. And you guys, of course, are on social media. So there's Instagram, Twitter, and I guess uh, and LinkedIn, LinkedIn as well, right? Yeah, so that's the way uh, to follow you guys. But if you missed any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.